card out out of everyone in Hebrews 11 that you could think of that comes to your mind. Out of everyone in Hebrews 11, who stands out to you as someone who was mighty in faith? The top of the list, not the top of the chapter, just top of the list and very much a person full of faith. Anyone? Who stands out to you? Abraham. Abraham. Yes, the father of faith. By faith, Abraham. Who else stands out to you in your mind when you, now in Hebrews 11? Anyone? Go ahead. Noah. Noah. Wow. Righteous in his generation when almost nobody else was. Anyone else? Moses. Yes. Sarah. Yes, Sarah. Wow. Very much so. Anyone else? Last call. Joseph. Joseph. In fact, let me give you a few more chances. I'm looking for someone. Anyone else? Rahab. Rahab. Yes. Out of everyone in Jericho that perishes, Rahab puts her faith in the Lord. Very much. Yes. Enoch. Enoch walks with God. Enoch walks with God. One more. Oh, Jephthah, you're getting closer to the one that I wanted to look at tonight. I wanted to look at someone who, how did they get in Hebrews 11? This is, it's Judges chapter 6 and 7. It's, it's curious, and it really changes my thinking and helps me when I consider great faith versus small faith when I consider Gideon. Gideon. It's actually a surprise to find him in Hebrews 11. Um, But he was a man of faith. Most people, when they think of Gideon, what do they probably think of? Gideon's 300. Gideon's 300. And he vanquishes the Midianites, who were as the sand of the sea. Uh, Probably one of the largest armies um, that ever formed in one place. And they're defeated. You cannot say by 300 men. They were defeated by God. Well, this is... I'd like you to see this passage, and for several reasons tonight, and um, we're going to start in Judges 6, we're going to do a lot of reading, and I would like us just to go through this, and hopefully we'll take home some very valuable lessons tonight. So, I'd like you to see, number one, the state of the nation, the state of the nation of Israel. Judges chapter 6, verse 1, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, And the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Wow. Think how bad it is. They couldn't live in their houses. They were driven from their homes, from their neighborhoods, from their cities. Maybe their, their wives and children, they, weren't, they didn't feel safe in their own homes. And when I hear this, maybe it's in my mind so much with all the news that we've heard, I, just, I think of Christians in Afghanistan being hunted and where do they go? Where do they hide? Well, these, the children of Israel, they went back into the mountains, into the canyons, into the hollers, back into the sticks. And the Bible says that they, they took over dens. Now what's a den? It's where an animal would live. 
drove the animals out, or found places where animals lived. That's the state of Israel. Verse 3, and so it was. When Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. That means when they put out their crops, when they sowed uh, food. Verse 4, and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. They're just trying to plant some food. They're just trying to get some vegetables. There's no Kroger. There's no Walmart. There's no Dollar General. They're just trying to have some food produced so that their families won't starve. And then the enemy shows up, lays claim to it, or destroys it. The fruit of their hands. Can you, can you imagine? How do you, how do you have cattle grazing without being seen? You've got to go back in the canyon somewhere. You've got to go way back in the hills somewhere. You've got to get away from any population center. How do you, how do you take care of your goats? How do you take care of your livestock when you know the enemy's going to come and steal them at any time? And the Bible says, verse 5, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for a multitude. For both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of the Israel cried unto the Lord. Notice when they cried unto God. Verse number 6. Go back to verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. You have to get all the way to verse 6 before they cry out to God. How bad does it have to get before the people of God cry out to God? How far down, verses 1, verse 2, how far down do you have to go before people cry out to God? How far down does America have to go before the people of God cry out to God? I hope we cry out as a nation to God soon. If there's evil in our lives, if there's sin against God, it is time to get it out. It's time to confess it. It's time to turn back to the Lord. If, if someone's playing around, if they're messing around, We've got to look at it on a larger scale. We're destroying our nation. Because if God's people will turn back to God, God will have mercy. This is, it's time to wake up. It's time to seek the Lord. You say, Pastor Lang, we just came through revival meetings. That's right. That's a good time. It's time to keep seeking the Lord. They finally got around to crying out to God. When? When they're driven from their homes. When they have no more livestock. When their crops are all gone. When the enemy's destroyed everything. When they've got to hide their children from the enemy and their wives from the enemy and they live like Christians in Afghanistan. And then they cry out to God. And I wonder what it's going to take in America to cry out to God fervently. It is amazing, isn't it? How does one of the greatest militaries on the earth get... Well, to the world it looks like we got bested by a bunch of Bedouins. We got vested by a bunch of third world individuals. How, does, how do you have the largest military arms transfer in the history of mankind from America to these people who had, they don't have the power? And yet, you know what that tells me? That didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by accident. And God's trying to get our attention. This is, 
What's it going to take for God's people to cry out to God? The state of the nation of Israel back in the days of Gideon was bad. The Bible says it came to pass, verse 7, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. Guess what God did? He sent a prophet. He sent a preacher. You ready to hear some preaching? Verse 8, Then the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand that oppressed you, of that that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Well, there goes the preacher. There goes the preacher, always harping on our sins, always bringing up the things we're doing wrong. Here's what you're doing. Look how good God has been. Look, look what all He's done, how you've lived. Kind of, I think of Nineveh. God sends this prophet Jonah, and Jonah goes and preaches, and the people repent in sackcloth and ashes. Amazing. They listened. I hope America listens. How far down are we going to have to go? The state of the nation of Israel. Number two, the faithlessness of Gideon. How does that point hit it fit into Hebrews chapter 11? Well, it doesn't exactly. But you sure do see it in Judges chapter 6 and 7. Faithlessness, the faithlessness of Gideon. He questions whether God is even present. Look at verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, and that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So, I always picture this winepress. Most likely, the winepress would be at a lower spot, so you'd take all the grapes down to this spot, and you'd you'd, uh, press the grapes, and... You've got this man probably down in a valley, and he's pressing grapes or threshing, threshing wheat. And what happens? I mean, how do you thresh wheat when you're in a valley with hardly any air, any wind, with any cross breeze? I just picture him throwing it up in the air, and it's coming right back down on his head, and there's not much going on there, right? And the Bible says the angel shows up, and he's hiding his, his threshed wheat. <coughs> and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, verse 12, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Here's the man, Hebrews 11, mighty man of valor. Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, at least he calls him Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? If he's really here, what's going on? It doesn't look like he's here. And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Oh, Mr. Angel, you're saying that, that um, I'm a mighty man of valor and the Lord's chosen me? We haven't even seen one of the miracles of the past that our forefathers talked about. Where are the miracles? Where are they? What is he asking? All kinds of questions. The angel says, The Lord is with you. And Gideon says, Where? The Lord's going to use you. You're going to see in a moment, he's going to say, who? Me? I'm the least of all the, 
Look at verse number Look at verse number 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I'll be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And does he believe? Does he take God at his word? (laughs) You got the wrong person, Lord. I don't know who you're talking about. And he's going to say in a moment, and by the way, if you're really from God, prove it. I'm going to go cook a little meal for the two of us. And while I'm cooking, why don't you cook up a miracle? Prove it. I'm going to go get some food. Why don't you have a miracle by the time I come back? That's what he's going to say. Verse 17, and he said unto him, if now I've found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and I bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, that be a goat, and un- unleavened cakes of an ephah flour, the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. In a land where there wasn't much food, he got together a meal and put it before this angel He says, and I want you to show a sign when I come back. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff which was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And then Gideon says, maybe he was an angel. Verse 22, and when Gideon perceived that he was an angel. Did he believe before that? No, he didn't. The Lord's with you. Where? He's going to use you. No, he's not. Got the wrong person. By the way, if you're really from God, I want you to prove it. And he proves it. The Bible says, and when Gideon perceived he was an angel that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. He finally got it. And the Bible says, verse 23, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. You're going to use me. I'm going to die. That doesn't sound like great faith either. And then God asked him to do something. Verse 24, Then Gideon built an altar, there under the Lord, and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. So he gives Gideon a job, doesn't he? So... I want you to go to get your dad's young bull. I want you to to hitch it up to the altar and pull the altar over. Then I want you to go get your Husqvarna chainsaws. And I want you to head to the grove of trees and I want you to cut them down. Now what, what did they have? What would they have cut things down with? They went and got their axes. They're going to cut down a grove. This is what God tells him to do. 
and to offer up his dad's... Look what it says. It says, Offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou hast shalt cut down. Verse 27, Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Does that sound like great faith? Is he scared? He is scared. You're God. I'm convinced of that, but I'm still afraid. I'll obey, but I'm waiting until everybody's asleep. Once everybody is out cold, then I'll go do what you say. So this is Captain Courageous speaking, right? And how did he end up alongside in Hebrews 11, David, the giant slayer? How does he end up alongside these men? Well, he goes down there. He pulls over the idol. He cuts down the grove. Can you imagine? This is a man who was scared, right? He does it by night. He does it in a way that because he's fearful, I can't do it during the day. Can you imagine? I don't Do you imagine this? Now, chopping wood. Not quiet. They're chopping Quiet down, guys. Have you ever, um, since we've lived, now, I, I didn't grow up in the country, folks, but I have noticed something. Now that we live where we live and there's some cows and goats and animals next door, they're noisy. They're noisy. I, I was out just yesterday on my porch, and I had my back to the cows out yonder behind us. They're, uh, they're probably... Probably 100 feet off is a fence, and they've got the cows out there. And there were these calves out there. And um, I heard one ball. And it sounded like the word pastor. It just sounded like the word pastor. I heard it ball, and I went like this. I thought, someone is in trouble, and they just called pastor. And I saw two calves, and they're running, and one is chasing the other across the way and bawling. And, I, and I'm getting ready to dismiss it. I thought, he has this young bull. Did they muzzle the thing? Did they keep a, did they keep a food sack on its head? How do, you know, you've got to, you get in with the animal because you got to, you use the animal to pull the altar down and all the while this thing's, he's a real live one. And then you're going to offer it as a sacrifice. How long does it take to butcher a cow? Anyone have any idea? Ten minutes? Three minutes? How long does it take, you think, Trent? Yeah. Yeah. Trent, Trent works at Publix back in the meat department. I figured if anybody would know, Trent would know. Some of you guys are hunters. You, you've, you've killed, you've cleaned deer, but it'd probably take a while, Mr. Searcy. That would be to kill him, right? After, you, after he, the rope comes loose and he comes at you with, mm-hmm. with the horn. That was good. That was probably good. I probably don't need to hear anymore. I probably I got it. I got the killing part. Um, and then there's the butchering part. How long did this take? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. Um, this is a man who 
He's obeying, but he sure is scared. He does it under the cover of darkness. He's hiding at his father's house the next morning. Look at verse 28. And when the men of the city rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. They said one to another, Who hath done this thing? When they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. You know what the dad says? Joash says, you're here to defend your God, right? You God need help today? You imagine? That's pretty bold to say that. You God, you God having a bad day? Lost his altar? Needs some help? You know what? If Baal's so big, he probably doesn't need to be defended. Leave my son alone and let Baal take care of himself. That's what he says. Dad got Gideon out of it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him, let him be put to death. Whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself. Because one hath cast down his altar. That's pretty brave. Wow. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. So God calls Gideon to do this job, and Gideon might have been scared, he might have been fearful, but he does it. By night, but he does it. And then God calls him to something bigger. Look at verse 33. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, What's the next word? That's not a strong faith word, is it? If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand. What did God say he would do? Save him as by one man. If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. In other words, you said it, but if you really mean it, Where's his faith? Verse 37, Behold, I'll put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. Isn't, isn't Scripture clear? Twice it says, as thou hast said. Oh, I heard you. You said you would save all Israel by my hand. But if you really mean it, then let's, I'm going to put out a fleece. What's a fleece? A skin of an animal. Maybe it was a sheep skin. He lays it out and he says, I want the skin to, to have dew all over it and nothing else in the whole area to have dew on it. Hmm. I know you said it, but would you do this for me first? And the Bible says, and it was so. Verse 38, For he rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. Was it just a little damp or was it wet? It was soaked with water. And amazing, God soaked it and the ground was all dry. Surely that's enough. Boy, he's ready to go now. No, he's not. How did he get in Hebrews 11? 
is there a back door? How did he get there? I mean, you have to say, in, he, in, in Judges 6, his faith is not impressive. It may be in chapter 7. But if you keep reading, it's not even impressive in chapter 7. How did he get in Hebrews 6 for known for his faith? And I think this teaches a very important lesson we'll see in a moment. And Gideon said unto God, verse 39, Let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. I thought you already had once. This would be twice, wouldn't it? Let it now be dry only on the, on the fleece. So I want the fleece to be dry this time. And upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. For it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Wow. What an incredible story. But I'll just tell you, this is not the impression that I have of people from Hebrews chapter 11 who are mighty men of valor of faith and mighty women of faith. Okay, Pastor Lang, you said that he showed us the state of Israel and the faithlessness of Gideon. How is he full of faith? Okay, let's see it. It's now number three, and finally, the faith of Gideon. The faith of Gideon. I think as you go forward, you're going to see he's still scared. Where do you see faith? That's it. He obeyed. Faith, you got to mark it down. Faith is always connected to obedience. Faith is always connected to obedience. When you'd have doubts, you have doubts? Obey. When you're scared, obey. When things don't make sense, obey. Where is Gideon's faith? In his obedience. Where's his obedience? He pulled down the altar, didn't he? He slaughtered the... Pastor, he did it by night! Yeah, he obeyed by night. That's right. But he obeyed. But he was scared. That's right, but he obeyed. What wasn't very valiant, was he? No, but he obeyed. Faith is always connected to obedience. That's a very important lesson. And I think you see it with Gideon in Judges chapter 7. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. God said, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have you talking about how you saved yourself by your hand. So if you go back to chapter 6, go back to chapter 6, and see if I can find it. Mm, not seeing it. I was looking for the verse that talked about the number of the people. 35 talks about how he sent messengers, Manasseh, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali. 7-7, thank you so much. I should have wrote it down on my notes. 
Well, there's the 300 in verse 7. And I'm almost there. I'm in verse number 3. Why is it I had notes to go back to chapter 6? Well, here is verse number 3. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there return to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remain ten thousand. Twenty-two thousand, walk away. Ten thousand left. How many were there originally? Thirty-two thousand. Now, I wonder if when Gideon said, if anyone's here is afraid or fearful, go ahead and walk away. I wonder if Gideon said, I sure would like to walk myself right now. This is, this is a group of men that Gideon says, Lord, there's 32,000 men here. They were facing one of the biggest armies in the whole known world. God says, that's right, and it's too big. Too big for me to use. And God told him to do something. And guess what he did? He obeyed. Pretty amazing. I think this was a hard thing to do. 22,000 people went home because they were scared or fearful. By the way, would you hold it against them? They'd been living in dens. They'd been driven out of their homes, a lot of them. And God splits up all this group. Verse 4, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water and I will try them for thee there. Oh, that must have made him say, oh Lord, we're already down to 10,000. But God says, yes, and how am I going to get the glory for that? That's out of your brain and your resources and 10,000 is too many. It shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. What's he saying? Obey me. So he brought down the people into the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. So the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water. And he does. He brings them down. And the Bible says in verse 6, And the number of them that lapped put their hand to their mouth were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Now if God said, I want you to pick 300 men, we'd have said, okay, let me see which one of you guys looks the strongest. We would have started at the, let me see your credentials. How many wars have you been in? Let me see, let me see your, your, your resumes. We'd go through, we'd pick the strongest, the most battle-hardened, and God said, take them down, let them get a drink of water. We're going to separate them by how they drink water. I'm sure Gideon went, you've got to be kidding. What, the people who are going to fight versus the people who are not, it's all dependent on whether or not they use their hand when they drink. What does that have to do with anything? And probably since we've been little kids and heard the stories, we've heard about how some got down and put their head right down to the water like a dog and lapped it up. And others, the ones that were kept were the ones that reached down with their hand and took it up to their mouth and drank like this. And we've probably heard it said that some people, well, they were, they just dove right in and got a drink. And others were more cautious and careful and kept their head up and looked both ways. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, God is the only one who can use 300 people to defeat an army innumerable. 
And they weren't chosen by their prowess, their ability, by their strength, their wisdom. They were chosen by how they drank. It was an unusual way that God separated 300 men. Now, could it be that they were more sober-minded and vigilant? It could be. And that's a good lesson for us. Be sober, be vigilant. By the way, what, is, what percentage is 300 of 32,000? Roughly. It's 1%. Roughly. It's less than 1%. Right? It would be like 0.9 something. I, think I, I, I figured out, but I didn't write it down. 0.92 such, such and such. So it's less than 1%. And I would say, if you want to be part of the 1% that's most used by God, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And if we will be sober-minded... By the way, if we're going to be goofy and silly and just do our own thing, you can forget being a part of the 1% that God has most useful. Sets aside for himself. But these men, maybe that was part of the lesson. They were sober. They were vigilant. They were careful how they drank. But the deal is, God chose them by how they drank, not by their strength. Not by their wisdom. Not by their ability. He didn't. God's ways are higher. They're totally different than our ways. And it turns out, It gets worse than that. God knows Gideon. God knows Gideon is still full of doubts. Still full of quaking heart. Fear. God knows our frame that is dust. You know, some people just rush in and do whatever they're going to do. Other people have um, caution. I have a man in the church who told me. He said, Pastor Lang, he said, I took a test once. And it said that I was a cautious individual. And he said to me, do you know what that means? He said, it means sometimes I get paralyzed and it's hard for me to do anything. He said, I look at all the options and I think, hmm, um, maybe I better not do anything for a while. He said, the test called me cautious. But he said, it's not that I'm cautious. He said, I just stand still for a long time. Well, here is... Here's this man. Would you call, you can call this man cautious. He has a lot of fears. He has a hard time going forward. Lord, I know what you said, but would you wet the fleece? Okay, Lord, I know what you said, but would you now make the fleece dry? Now, Lord, I know what you said. He's full of that, isn't he? And God knows. And the Bible says, verse number 9, And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down into the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. Was he still fearful? But if thou fear to go down, go with Fura, thy servant, down to the host. Hmm. If you're fearful, take Fura. What does he do? He takes Fura. He's fearful. Um, and this is... I wonder how many of you are, are like Gideon. You don't rush ahead into anything... And you need reassurance from God. And you're the kind of person who says, Oh Lord, if you would just make, I know what you said, but would you make it clear? Lord, I need you to reassure my heart because I have doubts. Lord, the truth is I'm afraid. Lord, the honest to goodness truth is you already know my heart is fearful and I have a good imagination. I can imagine everything going wrong. Lord, would you assure my heart? I wonder how many Gideons we have here. But the difference is, 
you're a Gideon, many of you, not in that you're fearful only, but also in that you obey. That's faith. That's faith. This is, this is an incredible, it's incredible when you begin to think about it. How did this guy get in Hebrews 11? You know, there's, in churches, there are people in this church. I could point them out and I'm not going to. There's, there's good people on both sides. Some of you are just get things done kind of people. We just need to do this, 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 and this. And other people are like, we need to be cautious. We need to, we need to slow down. We need to make sure. We, I mean, we better not do this. We could make a big mistake. We better make sure we know from the Lord. And other people are saying, Pastor Lang, if we don't do it now, do you realize it's going to be harder later? It's either now or never. You know, there's, and you know what? Good churches have a balance probably of both people. By the way, some marriages are like that too. Some marriages are like that, where one person in the marriage is like, a, we just need to do this. And the other person, sometimes, my wife will sometimes say to me, she said it recently, that's fine. Are you sure that's what God has us to do? Are you sure God wants you to do that? I wonder if any of the men have heard that before. That's fine. Are you sure that's what God wants you to do? And my Rebecca will ask, and, and if I say yes, she'll say, Okay. Okay. But do you see the reserve and carefulness? But the readiness to follow? That's faith. So, sometimes marriages have this dynamic. Sometimes churches have this dynamic. God tells him, I want you to go down and spy on the Midianites. And if you're scared, take Furah. Verse 11, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down to the host. I know you, Gideon, and I know you're still not able to do this. I'm going to have to strengthen you to be able to do what I told you to do. You're willing, but your hands are weak right now. Then went he down with Phura, his servant, unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And this is one of the most amazing stories in all the Bible. But it makes me wonder, why didn't God just choose a brave person? Why didn't just God just call someone who had courage? Yeah, because we needed the story. That's one of my points. It's because God likes to use everyone. It's because you and I needed to see what faith looks like in Hebrews 11 and go back to Judges and say, what? That's faith? Yes, because faith is always connected to Obedience. Faith can be fearful. Faith can be doubting. Did you hear that? That doesn't make sense to me. But faith obeys. Did you hear that? Faith can have doubts. No, it can't. Pastor, doubts are the opposite of faith. Gideon was full of doubts. But he obeyed. And sometimes we obey and do what's right even though We don't understand how it's going to work out. We just say, Lord, I'm just trusting you to work this out. I'm just doing what you said. You know what? Let God give the results. Let's just follow him. Faith is always connected to obedience. Why didn't God choose a brave person? Because sometimes our faith is really small. Because sometimes we look at America and we say, I don't see how we're ever going to make it. And God says, 
Don't you understand, I can save by few as much as I can save by many, and it's not the majority that, that even goes to heaven, it's the small that enter into the gate and follow me, and if my people, which are called by my name, if they will humble themselves, and I don't need a large group, if a small group will follow me and seek me with all their heart, I'll have mercy on a nation. Isn't that amazing? We need these stories, and God knew it. We look at numbers of people in America and we see it's hard to even call ourselves the United States. We seem like the divided states of America. Yet God's put the story here in the Word of God to strengthen our faith in Him. Pastor, I just don't know. I want to believe. I know. You're like Gideon. You're saying, I'm going to go make some food. When I come back, maybe you'll show me a sign. But God did. Isn't it incredible? By the way, it's easy to look at Gideon and be hard on him. This guy, he put out a fleece, even though he knew what God said, and then when God honored it, he put out another fleece. It seems like we can give him a hard time. But I will say this, you and I aren't living pushed out of our homes. You and I aren't living back in the hills without electricity. You and I aren't living in dens and caves And it's easy for us to sit in America and say, Gideon didn't have a lot of faith. And I wonder about people, like I said, in Afghanistan, just to put it in a a picture. And I'll bet there's some people over there that have fear and they're still trusting God. Gideon says, you took my whole army away. I've not seen any miracles, just, just loss. I'm not convinced yet. And I'm nobody. Okay, if you're scared, take Pura. He takes Pura. And he goes down to the tent. It's just an amazing story. The Bible says that God allows him to slip up next to a tent as a spy, and he puts his head to the side of the tent, and he listens, and there's two Midianites talking. And one of them says, I just had the most amazing dream. There was this cake that was cooking, and the the pan flipped over, and it rolled out. And the guy said, that's Gideon! That's Gideon! He's going to steamroll us all. That's what that roll was. The roll, the cooking, that's God cooking. I'm telling you, the roll came out and it's destroyed us all. That's Gideon. And Gideon's, can you imagine Gideon? Gideon's like, I can't believe I'm down here in front of this, the largest military in the world at this time, and I'm here with Fura, and it's just the two of us. And you put your head up in the tent, and the guy says, oh, I just had the most horrible dream. There was a cake. And it rolled out of the pan. And the guy says, that's Gideon. And Gideon goes, that was me he's talking about. He says, Gideon, his army's going to wipe us all out. And Gideon said, whoa. God took me to the right tent to hear the right dream so that I would know that the guy in there just had a dream at just the right time. It was interpreted at the right time and said that the cake rolled out of the pan. And that's Gideon. Gideon said, Man, I never thought of myself as a roll or a cake. But I'll tell you this, that was God. What an unbelievable story. The Bible tells us in verse 12, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. 
And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it, that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. And it was so. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshipped and returned unto the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hands the host of Midian. Is his faith starting to grow? His fa- Suddenly, his faith is starting to grow. God gave him assurance upon assurance upon assurance. I need more assurance. And God said, Okay, I'll give you more. Well, what does he do? And he divided, verse 16, the 300 men into three companies. Three companies of probably 100. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. Okay, guys, gather around. I'm going to give you instructions on military weapons. Here's a trumpet and here's a lamp. Okay, you're all set. Because God's going to do the fighting. God is going to give the victory. Why, Gideon? Because God said to. I'm scared. Gideon says, me too. But we're just going to obey, and God won't fail us. So, we call him a mighty man of valor. The only question for us is, are we willing to obey? I mean, you say, how did he end up in Hebrews 11? He seems so scared and fearful and faithless and needing another reassurance and another reassurance and another reassurance and a buddy to go along with him and another reassurance at the tent side because he obeyed. It's all God's looking for. And I think it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Remember in the New Testament, the Bible says in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed. Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Aren't you glad the verse doesn't say, If you shall shall have faith as a mountain, then you'll be able to say, Move, and the mustard seed will move. No. Nothing will be impossible if you have mustard seed faith. Gideon had mustard seed faith. Why is Gideon in Hebrews 11... Was it because he believed the angel? No, he didn't believe the angel. Was it because of his bravery? Mm. It was because of his family background, Pastor. Because his dad was such a godly man. No. In fact, that bullock was probably being saved for the Baal worship. He pulled down his father's idol in the Baal. He offered to Jehovah God probably the young bullock that was reserved for Baal. Well, he's in Hebrews 11 because of his ability. No. Because he wasn't afraid. Well, that's obviously not true. Because he never doubted God. No, it seems like sometimes when you look at the story, it seems like about all he did. Well, then why was he chosen? Because he obeyed at night. Because he obeyed with two fleeces. God told him to do it. Two fleeces later, he does it. He obeyed with a friend, Fura. He may have been the least in Israel. But when it came time to hand out trumpets, he did it. 
You ever watched a politician make promises and you just thought, this isn't going to work? Usually the guy who wins is the one who gives the most promises. And people, it's the one they believe. It's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? That here's this guy so full of fear, but he obeys. I am not worried about people with small faith who obey. Long as they obey. Thank God for Gideon. You know why he's in Hebrews 11? Because you and I can relate to him. We can look at him and we can say, I've been that weak before. I've been scared. I need reassurance. We can, we can stand here, we can sit there, and we can have this argument and debate or whether it's right to put out fleeces or not right to put out fleeces. But the point of the story is, he's in Hebrews 11 and remarkable for his faith. When you look at Hebrews 11, you say, wow, he must be a man of faith. And you go back and read Judges 6 and 7, you have to say, he was a man full of fear, but he obeyed. God found a nobody, and in God's strength and God's might, we have the story of 300 men who won with trumpets and lamps. The great, one of the greatest armies was destroyed. And so what is it? We need to turn to God and say, Lord, help thou mine unbelief. But even when my faith is small, I'm going to obey. Lord, when I'm scared, I am going to obey. When I don't understand, I'm going to follow you. Lord, I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to trust you, and I'm not going to wait until the bottom falls out to cry out to you. I'm going to cry out to you for the land now. We're going to look back at 2021. I'm telling you, we're going to look back. Someday we're going to look back, whether it's from heaven or in a few years if we're still here. We're going to look back at this year and say, so much changed in America in a short time. Why didn't we cry out to God then? That's what we're going to say. And we're going to say, do you remember, you remember, in, you remember in September we had that revival with Chris Miller and we were, we were charged to seek the Lord and search after him? I wish we'd kept praying the way we started praying. I wish we'd cried out for God, for the land. I wish we'd cried out for America. You know, we're going to look back and say, why did we wait for verses 6 and 7 when we lost everything in America and our grandchildren were in terrible shape? Why didn't we cry out for God in, to God in 2021? And right now we have the opportunity. So two things I take away from this. Let's cry out to God before it gets any darker. And second, you don't have to be fearless courageous, powerful, and mighty, and able. You just need to obey. Lord, help us to obey. Lord, help us if we have doubts to go to the one who understands our doubts because he made us, he knows our frame, and boy, does he bend over backward to give us assurances. And I'm just going to obey. Well, I'm a charge-ahead kind of person, Pastor. Okay, but obey. Well, Pastor, I'm really cautious. I stand at the crossroads forever. I stand there at McDonald's and look, at the, I look up there at this, and I just have a hard time even making a choice. Anybody like that? 
You know, it's like I have a hard time making a decision. Okay. No matter what your personality or your temperament is, let's cry out to God and let's obey. And I thank God that Gideon's in Hebrews 11. Because if I had read Judges 6 and 7 like we did tonight, I'd have never put him there. But God did because he obeyed in the dark. He obeyed in the dark. And that's the title. Obey if you have to, even in the dark. But obey. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd help us to commit to cry out for America to you, that you'd have mercy on this land. Lord, I thank you that the revival meeting, the revival's not over because Chris Miller left. Lord, you still want to work in the midst of your people here. You want to raise up a faithful group of people who might be fearful, who might have doubts, who might look at America with great, great trepid, just, just trepid hearts and quavery souls and saying, what's happened to our land? But, oh God, may we cry out to you, and I pray you'd raise up prophets, laborers, that you'd send forth laborers into the harvest, that you'd put in our hands your work to do, that White House would have a bright, shining light in Berean Baptist Church of people who stand up for righteousness, maybe with fearful hearts, but we obey. And I ask you tonight two questions. I want to ask, does America desperately need God's people to cry out to Him? And if so, will you do it? How low will America have to go before we cry out? How bad is it going to have to get? Will you cry out? How many would say, in Judges 6... They didn't cry out till they were driven from their homes, till their family was in splinters and the food, the, the grocery stores were empty and they're hiding their livestock and their, their food, trying for it not to be taken. And then they cried out. Well, I want to cry out to God before we get to that level. I want to keep crying out for America, to, for, to God for America. And God has put it on my heart not to wait until the bottom falls out, but to cry out to God while there's yet time. I don't want to look back at 2021 and say, if only we'd cried out to God sooner. The Lord's called us to cry out, and God hears and answers. And if you will cry out to God, God will hear, God will answer. Maybe not in the way we think or expect. Maybe God will raise up some very weak people who just obey. How many would say, the Lord's laid it on my heart to cry out for America before it gets any worse? I don't want to look back at this year and say, why didn't we cry out to God back then? God's put it on your heart. Will you slip a hand up in the air? Let's cry out to God before it gets worse. Let's spend time with God and say, oh God, before it gets to a point where my grandchildren can't even hardly survive and Christianity is stomped out. Lord, we've got to cry out now. Thank you. Many, many hands. You can put the hands down. Last question is this. Does God need someone who's bold and brave and big and strong and courageous? Does He need someone who is fearless? Or does He say, Gideon was a man of faith. He obeyed in the dark. I want to ask you, which one is God calling for? 
is he just looking for the mighty and the strong? Or is he looking for even those who are weak, who will obey in the dark with a friend, two or more gathered in my name? I wonder how many tonight would say, Lord, I want to obey you no matter what the state of my heart looks like, how scared I am, whether the doubts come or not. I want to obey you. Lord, I want to be like Gideon. You know my heart. You know my frame. You know how, how fearful I am some, some, sometimes, Lord. But I want to obey you even in the dark. I want to obey you even if it's with a friend with me. But I want to obey. The Lord spoke into your heart and say, you know what? I want to obey. Would you slip a hand up in the air? Even in the dark, doesn't matter. If faith is connected to obedience, then I want to have that kind of faith that obeys regardless. Regardless. Let's stand to our feet. Let's take a few moments tonight and say, Oh God, I'm committing to pray for America before it's too late. I don't want to look back and see how bad it's gotten and say, Why didn't I cry out to God back then? Why don't we commit to God? Lord, I'm going to cry out to America now. Even now that revival meeting is past, I'm going to cry out for the land. If that's you, would you slip out as the piano plays? Get alone with God and say, Lord, I'm committing to continue praying. I'm committing to keep praying. I'm committing to cry out for America. I don't want to look back and say, why did I not cry out? It got so much worse as the piano plays. Let's cry out now. Let's not wait. America's in bad shape, folks. The land, the country is divided. But God can save with few as he can save with many. If there's a willing heart, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not that he hath not. If your heart's willing and you're obedient, that's faith. I wonder how many tonight with these would say, Lord, I want to obey you even if I'm fearful. In the dark, I want to obey. If it's with a friend, I want to obey. But Lord, I want to obey and I want to keep my eyes on you. May God help us to stop counting heads in America of how many Republicans there are, how many conservatives there are, and say, you know what? It's not in the number. It's in obedience to God. Let's not give in to our doubts. Let's keep our eyes on Him. Father, we want to thank you for Gideon. At first glance, we didn't understand why he's in Hebrews 11 at all. He's so full of fear. He's scared. Lord, he has doubts. He asked you twice after you told him to do something to demonstrate that with a fleece and with fire from the angel. And Lord, you reassured him. You understand the fears that we have too. 
And I pray that you'd help us to trust you by obeying and to be sober-minded and vigilant and serious in our walk with you. Thank you so much for this great testimony in Hebrews 11 that's different than the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.